Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We also recognize that it's September 11th. September 11th, 2022. It's pretty surreal for me to think back and to think that 21 years ago, we witnessed the attacks both at the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And I remember waking up that morning. I had stayed home from school. Uh, My mom had given me the chance to stay home from school that day because we had been in a car accident the day before. She let me stay home, which was great, except for obviously when I woke up that morning and, and she woke me up and I turned on the television and saw those events unfolding. We saw that there were men in the world that were evil. We saw that there was an enemy that was coming to attack us. As we know, that there is an enemy that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I so believe that it's important that we continue to keep in our remembrance and remembrance what took place on that day and the lives that were lost, to honor those who gave their lives, to continue to pray for those families, and also to remember what took place in the days and the weeks to follow. That in that time, there was a turning back to God. There was a turning back to return to the church to find God, to to seek his face, to know him once again. In the face of destruction and in the face of gross evil, we knew that the only place that we could turn to was our heavenly father. And so the the people and and our nation went back to to church in droves. But as tends to happen after a, a big incident like that, when life returns back to normal, we find ourselves going back into the comfort and convenience of life. And instead of living in pursuit of God and in pursuit of his plans and purpose for us as individuals, for our families and as a nation, we turn back to the things that would just cause us to to feel happy once again, to pursue the, the status quo just to be able to get by. But I truly believe this today, and this is what we're going to be speaking about, is that we are called to live lives that are in pursuit of God, not just in the times of tragedy, not just when we really need something because we've experienced heartbreak heartbreak and and tragedy and and all the things that go along with the, the situations of life, but we need to live lives in pursuit of what God has for us, knowing that as we do, that he gives us the wisdom we need, the power we need, the peace that we need to be able to walk into the situations of life. And to not rely on our own strength and our own ability, but to know that there is a God that is greater. A God that is our provider, that he is our healer, that he is our source, and that we have the privilege and the honor to be in pursuit of him. I spoke with Nancy Key before uh, we got done with worship today, and she said that she was healed in her shoulder just during worship. Her shoulder had been in pain the whole time, and she was able to raise her hands again. We believe in a God that brings healing. We believe in a God that that loves us. And that even when we were not in pursuit of Him, He's always been in pursuit of us. What does Romans say? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the God that is in pursuit of us. And we have the ability, we have the privilege to be in pursuit of Him as well. Today I want to look at three examples from the Old Testament of what it means to be in pursuit. Because we as a church are called to be in pursuit. 
But in order to be in pursuit, we have to know, first of all, what it means to be in pursuit. And second of all, we need to know what God is in pursuit of. We need to know what it means to be in pursuit, and we have to know what God is in pursuit of. God is pursuing His people. God is pursuing His people who are called by His name to humble themselves, to repent, to to pursue Him, and to know that He's going to bring the healing to our land that we need. And so today we're going to look at these three different stories. The first one found in the book of Joshua, chapter 10. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be in pursuit. And I'm really excited about this because from the time that I was brought in here as as lead pastor, I was so excited to share what our vision was going to be, what our mission was going to be, what we're going after, who we're called to be. And so this is just the beginning of this. So the first story we find this man, Joshua. Joshua has been called by God. Moses and the previous generation have not now, uh, they've died. And now Joshua is called and, and God shows up to him and he says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? I'm calling you to walk into the land of promise, to the place that I have prepared for you, that I've set aside for you. Who knows, that's a very exciting thing to hear that God has a promise for you. But then Joshua finds out that he has to go and he has to do something about the promise that God has made to him. You see, having the promise is great. We all have a promise in God, amen? Amen. But who knows that we are also called to go and to apprehend the promise that God has made to us. That it's not enough just to know that God has made us a promise. But we also have to know that we are called to be in pursuit of the promise that he has made. So Joshua takes the Israelites and they go in and and they go to Ai and they destroy Ai and they go to Jericho and they destroy Jericho and, and God gives them miraculous victories each step along the way. But then they show up to this city in verse 10 and the king of this city, and I'm going to paraphrase because there's a lot of names that I really don't feel like trying to read today. This, the king finds out that Joshua's on his way, and he's like, all right, this is not good news. I heard what he did in Ai. I heard what he did in Jericho. Their armies were better than our armies. They were bigger. They were badder than us. And now Joshua's coming to us. So I need to go get some help. So that king goes and he gets some buddies along with him. And so they're ready to go up to battle against Joshua. It says in verse 6, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at Camp Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So it said he went into battle against these individuals, and God does something amazing. He sends down hailstones, or at least I think it was hailstones. He sends down boulders from heaven, it says, and he starts taking out the other army. 
And as this is happening, Joshua realizes, "Uh uh-oh, we're running out of daylight. They're going to get away. God has called me to do something here, and I want to be faithful. I want to be obedient. And so he does this thing. It says he doesn't ask God first, but he speaks these words. He says, it says in verse 12, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ihalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. It's a pretty incredible thing when we live lives in pursuit of God. It's a pretty amazing thing when we understand that God has a promise for us and that as we move forward and we move in pursuit of what he's called us to do, that he brings the miraculous answers that we need And that as we live in pursuit, we actually have some authority. Imagine that. Now, this is kind of like, I don't know how many people in here have tried to walk on water before. I've done it a few times. I haven't succeeded. I don't know if anyone's tried to tell the sun to stand still. I haven't tried that one. But Joshua speaks to the sun. He says, sun, stand still. And it goes on to say these even more incredible words. Verse 14 there has been no day like it before or since when the Lord obeyed the voice of a man. The Lord obeyed the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Think about those words for a moment. The Lord obeyed, obeyed the voice of a man and the reason was is because the Lord was fighting for Israel. Do we know today that in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of the things that we're up against, that the Lord is fighting for us? That Jesus is praying for us? That the Holy Spirit is praying for us? That that we have intercession going on in the Godhead? This is an amazing story, but it doesn't end there. It says the five kings fled and they hid themselves. Joshua says, you're not getting off that easy. So they go find out where they're hiding. They're hiding in a cave. They put a big rock over it so they can't get out. He says, we'll deal with you later. And he speaks to the soldiers and he says to them, pursue your enemies, attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. The first thing that I want us to look at here today in what it means to pursue is that our pursuit must be intentional. If we're going to live lives in pursuit of who God is and who he's called us to be, we have to do it on purpose. We don't live in pursuit by accident. We don't live in pursuit simply because we love God. We don't live in pursuit simply because we come to church on Sunday morning. Those are all good things. But if we're going to live in pursuit of God, it means that we are going to intentionally 
choose to pursue the things that he loves, that he cares about, in pursuit of knowing who he is. It means that we're going to not just listen to our emotions and our feelings in the midst of circumstances, but that we are going to choose to say, God, what are you calling me to do today? What amazing things have you laid in store for me as I walk in pursuit of you? And maybe even God, how are you fighting for me today? Because he is. Because God is in love with his children. God is in love with his children. I really feel like that's an important thing for us to hear today. God is in love with you. Can you let that just sink in for a moment? We are in pursuit of God. But once again, He is in pursuit of us. And our response is that we get to say yes to Him. God is fighting for us. Sometimes our fight means that we have to go and fight. And sometimes, as I said last week, it means that we need to find rest in the middle of a fight. Sometimes it means we have to go and do something, and sometimes it means that we have to find peace in the middle of a circumstance and do nothing because that's what God has called us to do. It comes down to obedience. The second story I want to look at here today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30 is a story of David, and we touched on this story a few months ago. It was on Father's Day, and we looked at the story of David because David, being a man after God's own heart, really is often a really good place for us to turn and to look at what it means to be in pursuit of God because from the time he was a young boy, he lived in pursuit of God. But there was a certain point, if you remember, where Saul was chasing after David, and David decided, well, you know what? I have a way that I'm going to get out of this. And so he went to go to the Philistines. He went to go join them and join their army. And so he was fighting for them. And, and then the Philistines were going to come to battle against Israel. And they said, well, we can't trust this guy, David. He's just going to turn around and he's going to fight against us in the middle of the battle. And so they sent him home back to Ziklag. Well, while David was out there fighting for the wrong army, not in pursuit of his identity, not in pursuit of what God had called him to do in this moment, he gets back to Ziklag, and what does he find? The armies and, and raiders have come in, and they have stolen his wife and his children. They have taken everything from them. And it says that the people even spoke about stoning him. In verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were, were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David does something in that moment. David remembers who he is. He remembers who his God is. And he remembers that he is called to be in pursuit of what God has called him to do. And so it says that he strengthens himself in the Lord. And then he asks this question. He says, shall I pursue after this band? And shall I overtake them? 
And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those who were left behind had stayed, and he pursued, he and 400 men. And he went after them, and they, they find this servant who had been left behind, and, and they get the location of, of these people, and they follow after them, and they're the Amalekites. And it says in verse 16, he comes down to them, and verse 17, David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing neither small nor great. You see, David was in the midst of distress. It says they were weeping until they had no more tears left to weep. But when David realized that he had his God to turn to, when he realized that he could once again be in pursuit of what God had called him to do, and he went after them and he heard the voice of God say, pursue for you will recover all. He went after all that had been stolen. We have to recognize in our life that there are things that have been stolen. There have been things that have been taken away. Things that we have seen been taken away and things that maybe we've attributed to other things, but things have been stolen and the enemy is behind these things because he is the one who steals and kills and destroys. Yet, we know that we serve a God who is greater a God who restores, a God who takes what the enemy meant for evil and uses it for good. But dare I say today that very rarely do we recover what has been stolen if we sit idly by. We must be in pursuit of what God has called us to be in pursuit of. We must be aware of that which has been stolen. And we have to walk in an intentional way. So, so being in pursuit means that we're walking in intentionality, but it also means that we're not doing it casually. I don't know if you picked up on those verses, but it says that David struck down the Amalekites from twilight until evening the next day. That's a lot of striking down. That's over 24 hours of striking down. I do, I do ask this question sometimes. Complete side note, nothing to do with the message. What were the people doing for, the, for 24 hours? Were they just waiting to be slaughtered? That's a long time. All right, no one else cares about that. That's fine. David was in pursuit and he wasn't going to give up. He was focused. He said, I'm not going to let these guys escape. They stole everything from me. God gave me the victory. I'm pursuing and he recovered all because he knew that God had given him a promise. We need to walk in a passionate pursuit for what God has called us to recover in our lives. We can't give up. Even when people around us are saying something else, will we continue to pursue. There's another story that I want to look at here that speaks to exactly that. This is found in the book of Judges, and it's Judges chapter 8. Judges chapter 8. We know the story leading up to this very well. It's the story of Gideon. 
Gideon goes into battle with the 300 men. They overcome the Midianites who are too numerous to be counted. But afterwards, some of their leaders, their kings had gotten away. And he said, not so fast. I'm seeing some, some like continuity in these stories. There's an enemy and they're not, they're not okay with just getting an initial victory. They want to see it through. You see, the third thing about being in pursuit is that it requires perseverance. It requires us to continue on even when it's difficult. To continue on even when we've received maybe the initial victory, but to not stop there because God always has more for us. So Gideon sees the victory over the hundreds of thousands of Midianites. And now he's in pursuit of the king. So he sends out word to his countrymen. He says, come and help me. Come and help me defeat these men. And so he shows up at the first city and he asks them for help. And they basically turn him away. It says in verse 4, And Gideon came to the Jordan and he crossed over, he and the 300 men who were with him, exhausted yet pursuing. Exhausted yet pursuing. And he came to them, to the men of Succoth. He said, please give me loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. And the officials at Succoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hands that we should give your bread to your army? So Gideon said, well then, when the Lord has given them into my hand, I'm going to flail your flesh with thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And then he went to the next city. And guess what? They didn't help him either. He said, guess what? When I get back, I'm going to tear down your tower. What happens in our lives when we're in pursuit of something, but the people around us aren't in agreement? What happens when the people that we feel like we should be able to trust and depend on They're not there for us. They say, figure it out on your own. How often does the world around us tell us you're doing something wrong? You're not, you're not accepting enough. You're not loving enough. You're, you're not going along with, with the mandates that we've put out there for the world to follow. You're not following the ideology of the day. You think that there's a different truth, but the truth is only our truth, and the truth is what we say it is when we say it is, even though it's going to change tomorrow, and it's changed a hundred thousand times up to this point. I heard this quote by another pastor, and I don't know it exactly, but he said, I found this thing where the world is often very supportive of you until you have an opinion that differs from them. As soon as you stand up for something that matters, as soon as you stand up for something that means something, and it's not in alignment with their values, they come after you. But guess what? We are not called to be in alignment with the pursuit of the world. We're not called to be in pursuit of the values of this world. We're not called to be in pursuit of the things that the world holds up and says, this is what you need to do. And yes, it may change tomorrow, but for right now, this is it. And if your emotions say something otherwise, well, then that's going to be the truth. But no, we know the truth of God. We know the word of God. We know what he's called us to do. 
We need to know that we are not in pursuit like the world is in pursuit. The pursuit of the world is not found in truth. Every time I turn on the television, I'm disappointed. My wife and I were at a, at a wedding this last week, and so we were going to bed and we turned on dri- diners, drive-ins, and dives. And normally we get to fast forward through commercials because it's on our own TV, but this was in a hotel. And so we had to watch the commercials. And there's one movie about these two guys that are, they're bros, but they're actually boyfriends. And, and it's this new movie and it's supposed to be amazing. And I'm sure it's going to get great reviews from the critics. But you know what else I'm sure of? No one's going to go watch it. You see, the values of this world are held up like there's something amazing. But guess what? We don't really want that. The, the secret that nobody really talks about is that this country doesn't want that. That men and women really know the truth of what God has said. And these things are going to continue to pan. And they should. We're not in pursuit of the things of this world. I turned on the, the computer because I needed to put something on for the school the other day. And it's this whole ad bashing this politician because he was against abortion. And I'm watching everything they're saying and I'm thinking, you know what? This is reason after reason after reason why we need to vote for this man. The more that the world pushes an agenda and says this is what you should be and this is what you should say and this is what you can't say, the more that we have to be willing to stand on the truth of God's word. We need to be aware of who we're voting for. We need to be aware of who we're putting in office. We need to be aware of what their values are. We can't sit back and say, I'm in pursuit of God, but I'm going to allow all this other crap to take place in the world. We have a responsibility. about time that the church really wakes up and that we're not known as people who just push our own agendas but that we find out what God is saying and we speak in accordance with his truth we know what God is calling us to do and we don't waver and we don't back down So Gideon goes to these men. He asks them for help. They say no. But he continues in pursuit of them. He pursues those kings. He overtakes them. He captures them and he kills them. And guess what? He comes back. He comes back to the men that didn't help him and he fulfills his promise. I don't know what it means to be flailed with briars. It doesn't sound very pleasant doesn't sound like something that that they were uh, looking forward to but here's the thing Gideon persevered and he continued to pursue even in the midst of exhaustion even when their own people didn't support them he wasn't dependent on his own ability he wasn't dependent on the opinions of others 
but he knew that God had brought him to do something. He saw that he had given him a great victory and he knew that there was more and he walked in pursuit of it. A question I want to ask today is why does our pursuit matter? The first reason we just touched on is because we're not in pursuit of what the world is after. The second thing is because we are not in pursuit of that which is temporary. So often in our flesh, that's exactly what we're in pursuit of. We just want the thing that's going to make us feel good. But it's always temporary. When it's not God, when it's not His truth, it's always temporary. It may feel good for a moment, but very quickly after, generally it leads back to a place of disconnection, a place of of shame, a place of condemnation because we didn't turn to God. Read what Jesus said in Matthew 6, chapter 9, or verses 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus said, go after the things that are eternal. Go after the things that matter. Live in pursuit of what I've called you to be in pursuit of. And the third thing today, is that it matters because we are in pursuit of the king and all that this means. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the king seek ye first the creator of the universe seek ye first the one who is our source the one is who is our healer the one who is our provider what are we in pursuit of today church there's a lot of things we're going to talk about there's some very specific things that we're going to touch on but we are first and foremost and we could even say this we are solely in pursuit of god We are solely in pursuit of the king above all else. Our first pursuit is him above anything else in this life. But the thing is, when we find that we are in pursuit of him, we need to start to ask the question, God, what are you in pursuit of? God, what is it that's on your heart? I love that song we've talked about it a couple times where it says break my heart for what breaks yours everything i have for your kingdom's cause as i walk from earth into eternity jesus what is it that you are in pursuit of what is it you're calling me to go after we need to not just talk about being in pursuit of him but we need to find out what this means See, over the next couple of weeks, I'm really excited to talk about the three things that we as a church are going to be in pursuit of. Being in pursuit of his people, his promise, and his power. And we're going to start doing that next week, but for right now, I want to give you a little sneak peek. We're going to read out of Mark chapter 12. And as I'm doing this, I want to ask if the ushers would prepare to come forward to serve communion here today. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34 said, 
And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The first thing that we are in pursuit of above all else is God. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself because there is no commandment greater than these. You see, Jesus walked on this earth fully aware of what he was in pursuit of. Fully aware of what he was called to do. He walked on this earth with a perfect identity and a purpose to come to this earth to show us what it is to walk in relationship with the Heavenly Father and also to give his life for us. Greater man, greater love has no man that he would lay his life down for a friend. See, Jesus came in a very specific pursuit. He came in pursuit of us. He came in pursuit of his children. Today, as we recognize what Jesus did on the cross for us, I want us to remember the sacrifice that he made for each one of us. And that in his death and his resurrection, he gave us the ability to walk in intentional pursuit of all that he's called us to do.